everyone, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you once again from the Christmassy Kill Table here in the heart of Yorkshire, England. So, how was your Christmas weekend? I hope you all had a great time and are continuing to have a great time because, let's face it, Christmas can go on all week, can't it? <laughs> the kids are off, people are off work, New Year's Eve is Friday, it's all family time, friend time, eating time, drinking time, chilling time, more eating time. <laughs> I'm sure I've overindulged, but it's, it's such a short period, I don't feel bad. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty pumped for this one. The adrenaline is still going around my body after re-watching the episode to make notes for the podcast. And I'm excited to delve into what you thought about it too. And we've got lots of feedback. There's lots to talk about. So I'll not waffle and jump straight in. Just as soon as I've thanked my patrons, you know who you are. Kindly supporting the podcast. Of course, I, I appreciate all of you. It's late in the season, but if you want to do the same, which you can for as little as £1 a month, please visit patreon.com slash dissectingdexter. And uh, New Blood is not the, the end of Dissecting Dexter. We've still got the rewatch to go back to once New Blood's done uh, sometime in the new year. So uh, we'll be going back to season three. And then, of course, we've got that brilliant season four to, to go back through. And, uh, and then I'll be able to finish what I started. <laughs> OK, let's, uh, let's get into it, shall we? I don't want to, uh, to dally. There's a good word, dally. Let's not dally too long or dither. There's another good word. <laughs> New Blood, Episode 8, Unfair Game. Original air date, the 26th of December, 2021, Boxing Day. Written by Tony Saltzman and David McMillan. Directed by Sanford Bookstaver. He's been on the receiving end before, but being the prey is not something Dexter's used to. However, his trump card here is that Kurt and this knuckle-dragger driving the truck have no idea, no idea who they're really dealing with, and I really like that. Even at the end of the episode, Kurt still has no idea who he's really dealing with, other than it being Jim from Fred's Fish and Game. <laughs> the big portion of this episode sees Dexter trying to avoid getting killed, and it's a fun game of cat and mouse. Close to, the goon... Probably wouldn't stand a chance against Dexter, but with the gun, Dex needs to keep some distance. Although that guy is pretty big, isn't he? Those plastic bindings, the zip ties, look really painful on Dexter's wrists, cutting in. And I was cringing when he was cutting into Elric's cheeks. So, uh, obviously, that was the guy who the $5,000 check was intended for, that Dexter found last week. I was a bit worried when the truck crashed and Dex flew through the side window. I mean... People die from less than that. I'd have expected him to be a lot more badly injured, but lucky for him he wasn't, although he soon got clipped by the rifle early on, which of course left a nice blood trail for El Elric to follow. We know early on from Kurt's phone call that this is a two-pronged attack. Elric gets Dexter while Kurt gets Harrison. So it lays that veil of extra tension over all his scenes with Harrison later in the episode. We're just waiting for him to make his move. But what kind of move will it be? When he made the call, though, Kurt was dressed in a surgical gown and seemed to be working on something. It looked to me like the room where he drained the blood from his earlier victim. What was he working on there? 
They obviously had no intention of showing us, but he was certainly busy, which makes me read into it all the more. <laughs> Maybe we'll see this room in another episode. And we've still got to find out exactly what he does with the bodies. But I have a theory about what he was working on. I thought I was being really clever thinking of it, but then when I looked on social media, I saw I wasn't the only one to have this idea. I think it's Molly. She's already dead, killed off screen, and my prediction is that when they eventually find Kurt's corpse collection, Molly will be there among them and it will be a reveal. I think that shot of her outside the tavern being watched by Kurt last week, that's the last time we'll see her alive. So, the episode is mostly back and forth between Harrison and Kurt and the chase. The call to Harrison from Kurt was chilling. Clancy Brown did a good job in close-up, his voice to Harrison sounding normal and friendly, while his eyes, his eyes, it was there. They were cold and focused. Everything he said was passive-aggressive against Dexter, or Jim, as he thinks, trying to keep chipping away, chip-chipping away at whatever relationship Dexter and Harrison have left. Most of the episode is back and forth between these two, but we also see what Angela's up to, all out of sight of Dexter. He has no idea what's going to come at him from the side. She's found what looks like a Facebook post from someone, from the old Bold to Lee Bleed team. Younger Dexter, Batista and another guy. I did wonder why Masuka wasn't in the picture. Bit odd. Budget, maybe? Would they have had to pay C.S. Lee if they'd shown his face? Surely they wouldn't have scrimped on that. It just seemed a bit odd that he'd be missing. It would have been a nice way to show him in this revival season. Anyway, Logan comes in and we learn that it's Christmas Eve. Is it me or did it sound like he was asking Angela out there? A little bit creepy maybe? Jumping straight in there, you know, a bed's hardly cold from, from Dexter not being there or Jim. You know, he says if you want to go out for a drink or anything. Seems a little like it to me. Anyway, she learns about the drug dealer that Dexter beat up, which is key this week. This is all adding up to something for Angela. She doesn't know what exactly, but she follows her instincts and goes to talk to the dealer at the same bar where Dexter got him. Miles, wasn't it? I was watching this and I was getting a sinking feeling because I thought, he's going to tell her about the needle. Without that, Dexter could have just been a dad wanting to get paid back on the guy who sold the drugs that his kid OD'd on. But the needle... That's serious premeditation, but as far as Angela knows, premeditation for what exactly? Not just a kicking, and not just that. It's the fact that Dexter only started hitting him when the police turned up. Like, what would have happened if they'd not shown up? You know, after Miami, you never get used to this damn cold. I thought you didn't know me. You were right. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'm Dexter Morgan, your father. We rejoin Kurt, having picked up Harrison, and they go to the school. It just felt a little odd, a little odd that they'd, they'd do this. But may, maybe in the truck, Kurt said to him, how about we go hit some baseballs? Just a small blank, I guess, that we need to fill in ourselves. Harrison seems chilled and unsuspecting, so he thinks it's all kosher. Every time Harrison turned his back on him, oh, you can see the way Kurt looks at him. Oh boy, that sense of impending doom again, but this time for Harrison. Their conversations, bonding over baseball, 
Kurt orchestrating it to undermine Harrison's dad at every opportunity. And you can see Harrison thinking, yeah, you're right. Highlighting all Dexter's shortcomings as a father. Knowing what Kurt had in store for him, it makes all this all the more horrendous, putting Harrison through all this emotional manipulation when he just intended to kill him all along. It's like the narcissist in Kurt, wanting to see if he can bond with Harrison where Dexter can't, getting one over on him. Also, perhaps proving to himself that he can still be a father figure, feeding his own ego and insecurities. It's interesting stuff, but very cruel on Harrison. I found the baseball bit tough when they switched it to curveballs, Harrison taking all those shots to the ribs. Until he pulled up his shirt, I'd forgotten that's where he stabbed himself, so all the balls were hitting him in that area where he was already wounded. Kurt's right about one thing, though. Harrison is definitely one tough sumbitch. <laughs> he flinched, but seemed to quietly relish the pain, maybe a bit of self-flagellation, self-punishment, dark stuff. And they drive out to Kurt's cabin. Again, like before, things Kurt says are all loaded with double meaning. Going to the cabin, nice to have a place where you can truly be yourself. Harrison has absolutely no idea. Meanwhile, Harrison talks more to Logan about the drug dealers, particularly Jasper, the one they found dead. She knows he's linked to the one from the bar and is seemingly piecing together a timeline of Dexter's movements. I thought to myself, if she goes to take a look at Jasper's body, she's going to find another needle puncture, tying Dexter to both people. At the very least, Dexter could find himself being charged with a murder before the end of this. I know some listeners have questioned her as an investigator, but for me, I think she's putting in good detective work here. Dexter turns the tables and lures Elric to the closed-up summer camp. This was a sequence that gave me Halloween or particularly Friday the 13th vibes. Dexter's Jason, though. <laughs> you know he's there somewhere. It's just a question of when and where he's going to pounce. <laughs> I liked Elric's comments about bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's a line commonly used in films, but particularly it reminded me of Sean Connery's line in The Untouchables. Brings your knife to a gunfight. <laughs> Elric being startled seeing his reflection in the mirror. That was nice. A classic horror movie bluff. And I loved the grim image of him checking out his wound in the mirror. And then, crash! Channeling classic slasher movies, Dexter flies through the glass at him. You can call it cliche and say it's corny, but I love the homage to horror movies here. For me, and I don't know how true this is, it had Scott Reynolds' fingerprints all over this scene. <laughs> Knowing what a horror movie buff he is. It would be nice to have a chance to ask him. After the kill, Dexter covers him up with a plastic sheet. Not sure why. Why would he do that? Is he planning on going back there later and cleaning up? His blood's everywhere, his fingerprints all over. Personally, I think at this point he should go to Angela after this and be honest about Kurt going after Harrison and him having to defend himself. He's got a bullet wound to back it up, and maybe there's a witness from the truck stop who saw the uh, assault on him. Angela, though, continues to grow more suspicious. She learns that Jasper had ketamine in his system. I wondered if she'd look into where someone could have got it locally and found the vet who'd say, oh yeah, Jim was here that day asking for something for his goat. 
Of course, she finds the puncture mark on his neck. It's a hallmark of someone who really thought this out. Someone who knows what they're doing. More than just a dad wanting payback for his son's overdose. This was calculated. She's got to be thinking, is there more to him leaving Miami than he's told her? And later we find out, of course, that she is, or she does. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood. Both of us. Harrison and Kurt in the cabin. Chilling. Drinking whiskey. Shooting the breeze. Harrison, for now, happy to be there and have someone take an interest in him. Not judge him or lecture him. For us watching, it's a completely different feeling. Totally creepy, laced with tension and pending doom. It's doom again. <laughs> I've said that a lot, haven't I, the last few episodes. But with us knowing that Kurt has nothing good planned, what else could we feel but doom? I thought that Kurt might have put something in the whiskey to, to drug Harrison, like he did with the girl's champagne earlier in the season. He's biding his time, though, waiting for Elric to show up with Dexter. There is one bit of sage advice in there, though, about finding the one thing that gives you pleasure in this world and embracing it with no apologies. We know what he's talking about, of course, <laughs> but broadly speaking, and in most circles, that's quite good life advice for anyone, provided it doesn't end with someone chopped up and dumped in the ocean in hefties, or mentally tortured and then shot and embalmed. <laughs> Harrison gets some texts from Dexter, and initially I thought he's going to be sensible and try to find out why he should keep away from Kurt. The texts sound panicked, and he seems to take notice, but outside, he changes his mind about replying and goes back in. Can you imagine the adrenaline going round Dexter's body? It's a wonder he can drive straight. Never mind the blood he's lost. Perhaps it's the adrenaline that's kept him going throughout. Kurt's sharing the lie that he spun for Angela about his dad killing someone, using it to connect further with Harrison, how they've both suffered in their childhoods and been affected by the sins of the father. You can see Harrison thinking about it all remembering. Kurt's pushing all the right buttons and Harrison seemed to have forgotten the warning texts from Dexter. It's sad as he confirms that's what he wanted coming to Iron Lake was simply to connect with his dad. It validates our frustration all season, us as viewers, just wanting Dexter to, you know, give him a hug <laughs> or at least just sit down and, and be more honest with him. Find the common ground that we know they share, that Dexter knows they share. He says, Harrison says, the basic bond that a father should have with his son is just not there. It's so sad to hear and frustrating again that this could have been so easily, so easily avoided if Dexter had only responded differently. Of course, we know Dexter has his own difficulties with opening up and being honest. He knows the risk that could involve. But also, he's just always found that kind of thing hard. It just doesn't come easy to him. Watching Jack Olcott here, though, you, you can really feel it from him. Honestly, I think there was maybe a bit of genuine empathy from Kurt here for a moment. Did you? There's a hint of sympathy in his face and his voice. 
but only briefly, and maybe I'm wrong about that, maybe it was all part of the act, because he seems to lose patience shortly after, with waiting for Elric to show up, and he disappears into another room. It's horrible mental torture to fake this connection with Harrison. Like he said himself, the child isn't responsible for the sins of the father, yet he's putting Harrison through all this and all along with the intention of killing him. That's some cold, cruel shit right there. When he comes back dressed in his camo gear, Harrison laughs. <laughs> he sort of giggles for a moment. <laughs> it must have been so bewildering why, he, why he'd suddenly dressed up like that. What is this, role play? But of course it quickly turns serious and bless him, he's just baffled why he's got a gun pointing at him. There's panic in his voice, backing out of the cabin, apologising for whatever he's done. Your heart really does go out to him. It's a beautifully shot sequence with the red beam of the laser, laser sight piercing the dark, something that they use then in the end credits, which once again are wonderfully designed. Harrison does what he's told and he runs for his, for his life, but did anyone doubt that Dexter would, would or wouldn't show up just in time? Corny? I don't care. It made for a punch-the-air moment. Kurt is a coward, and although he didn't bounce over the top of the truck like I hoped for just a moment, he legged it across the field and disappeared. Probably to show up next episode or in the finale to do something crazy and try to take both Dexter and Harrison out at once. But what's more important right now is the hug. The hug. We got it! Fueled by relief on both sides. Quickly, surely, followed by love that any father and son should share. It was just great to see what we've been wanting for weeks. It takes something like this to bring them together. I'll be honest with you, I teared up here. <laughs> Did anyone have dry eyes at the end of this episode? It would take a hard heart not to be at least a little bit moved. We've been on this journey with Dexter for years, and we've seen his struggles. And then in the car, together, Dexter opens up. There's so much I need to tell you I should have way before it got to this. You need to know. What? Before anything else, you need to know that you never have to feel alone with your dark thoughts again. You were probably drawn to Kurt because he seemed to understand you, but I... I was born in blood, just like you. I had the same violent urges when I was your age. Like you, I didn't know how to deal with them. But my dad taught me a code, a way to channel those urges. I'm gonna tell you everything. This is all I had to do. This is all I ever wanted. Maybe if I'm being honest, maybe this is all I ever wanted too. Oh, sweet Mary. <laughs> As someone who has loved Dexter from the start, this got me. Even re-watching to prepare for this, it got me all over again. Surely one of the most emotional, if not the most emotional moment in Dexter 
ever. If Angela wasn't getting as far in her research as she is, I'd almost be hopeful for a happy ending. For now, though, this was a beautiful moment, and I hope you all loved it as much as I did. But of course, it doesn't look like there is any peace and tranquility on the horizon. The stakes are raised as Angela checks uh, Jasper's tox screen and does a search against Miami murders and comes up with the Bay Harbor Butcher. Articles saying how the butcher would inject his victims in the neck with ketamine. Now we've got feedback and we'll be talking about why ketamine and not M99, but we'll get to that. But did anyone else think Angela looked like Deb sitting on the floor? Was she now wondering whether her boyfriend, who she knows ran away from Miami in a hurry, could actually be a prolific serial killer? Whew, we have so much ground still to cover this season, and the next two episodes will be mad busy, but I'm all in. <laughs> this is as excited as I've been for Dexter in a long, long time, and the fun I'm having right now, well, I don't know if I've felt like this since season four. I've seen your feedback, and I know I'm not alone in thinking this is one of the best episodes of the series. At least that's how I feel right now. This was good stuff. This was exciting stuff. But enough from me. Let's find out what you thought. Listener feedback. If you want to get in touch to share your thoughts about Dexter, or indeed the podcast, you can. Dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Or you can contact me through Twitter at dissectdexter. Or the Facebook page, www.com, no, that's not right, www.facebook.com slash Dissecting Dexter. <laughs> Bruce in Australia has emailed, and he doesn't mention the cricket, which is nice. He says, this is my favourite episode of the season. And then he has some quick-fire bullet points. It was really interesting to see Dexter as the prey running from a predator. There was never an episode in the original run where Dexter was hunted by someone in this way, so I thought it was great to see it. The interactions between Kurt and Harrison were awesome. The line where Kurt says that kids pay for the price of, for the, for the, pay the price for the choices of the father, it gives great foreshadowing. Kurt is turning out to be one of the best big bads of the whole series. If his plan to kill Harrison in front of Dexter was successful, he would be up there with the Trinity Killer for sure. Angela looking into Dexter and how he may be linked to the Bay Harbor Butcher case was nice. It's a bit convenient how she's jumping to some of her conclusions about Dexter, but I'll let it slide. This plot point with her is important, as one of the major complaints of season 8 was that Dexter was not exposed as the Bay Harbor Butcher, and the revival is looking to correct that mistake. Angela will definitely want more information about the details of the investigation into the Butcher case and how Dokes was caught. It will be interesting to see if she contacts Batista to tell him that Dexter's still alive about her suspicions and to get his help. Dexter and Harrison's conversation at the end was amazing. I've been waiting for him to open up all season and I'm happy that it's finally happened. Kurtz is now gunning for Dexter and Harrison. There is a chance that Angela and Audrey could be collateral. They could both be caught in the crossfire. The next episode is called The Family Business, which indicates that Dex is going to teach Harrison the code. It seems like Kurt will be their first kill as father and son. Thanks, Bruce. Your thoughts on Angela? Um, it's true that many fans hoped that the last season would have Dexter exposed as the butcher. 
It was felt that Batista might have been the one to out him as he went through LaGuerta's stuff following her death. She'd have had all her research that led to her own discovery about Dexter. But of course, that's not where it went. Instead, the records show that it was Dokes, although he never lived long enough to face trial. Perhaps that was one of Clyde Phillips' big issues with how the original series turned out. Whatever it is, I like how she's using some good smarts to work this out. And yes, you can argue that she's maybe taking some leaps, but you could also say that she's following her gut. However, will she reach out to Angel next week? If she needs some inside scoop on the investigation, you'd think he'd be the one to provide it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him again via Zoom or something next week. I can imagine his initial amazement, though, that his old friend is still alive. Mark from Pembrokeshire in Wales. He has emailed to say, well, it's turned out to be pretty good, hasn't it? Initial misgivings have melted away and thoughts now turning to the final scene. What will it be? Here's my stab at it. Kurt is on the table with the boys by his side, one with knife, one with blade. Just as Kurt is about to say goodbye to this world, in walks the two ABs in Dexter's life, Angela Bishop and Angel Batista. Dexter and Harrison freeze as Angela walks towards them, takes the knife out of Dexter's hand and dispatches Kurt. Closing song blows the internet. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Nice theory. Would Angela resort to murder like that, though? She definitely wants Kurt to face justice for Iris. No question. Would that be enough to make her kill him in cold blood, though? Perhaps if she saw the scale of his crimes, she might. If she's the one to find his room full of embalmed victims, one of those being Molly, as we're theorising, would that be enough to make her lose her grip on uh, rational decision-making? I'm not sure I could see it. However, if we link this to Bruce's idea that Audrey could be collateral damage, now that might be enough. We shall definitely see in the next two weeks. Hi, Gareth. Chris here with my feedback for episode 8 of Dexter Newblood Unfair Game. This episode I felt was very short. Um, starting off with a bit of a negative here, which I don't like to do, but it's just to get it out of the way um, before moving on to the many positives of which I thought was a really great episode of Dexter. Um, as I said before, it was very short. I felt the editing um, in some of the places was a bit off for me. As I said, I'm not going to dwell on the negatives um, as the positives far outweigh them. Um, the Dexter and Harrison hug, for me, I was surprised by how emotional um, that that got me. Um, they do say that all the best cowboys have daddy issues, and I guess that includes me as well. The Dexter Elric showdown, well, it was quite fun to see, and I did enjoy it. There was never any doubt in my mind that Dexter wouldn't come out on top. And as I said, it was quite cool, but it felt like it was just something to keep Dexter busy while we had the fabulous Kurt and Harrison scenes. I found these scenes to be fascinating. Kurt is a very unique and layered villain and antagonist for Dexter, and is certainly for me up there with Brian and Arthur Mitchell. I was thinking, does Kurt wear the hunting gear and mask because that's his real face? 
Or does he perhaps not want his victims to see his supposed good side when he's hunting them? Because I did find that it was quite odd that he went and got changed. He could have just gone out and got the gun. It's not as if he was trying to conceal his identity from Harrison. Moving on to Angela. She is showing some excellent detective work and is following the white rabbit all the way down to the Bay Harbour Butcher. I've seen quite a few people annoyed at the M99 um, and ketamine debate. It doesn't really bother me particularly and I felt that it was a useful way for her to connect the dots um, from Dexter to the Bay Harbour Butcher and we'll see where that goes in the final two episodes. I think surely now her and Molly are going to um, have to compare some notes. We did say weeks ago that Molly knows more than we as the viewers are being shown. I'm going to stick to that. Um, either Molly, Angela or perhaps Audrey, I feel, will be a victim of Kurt's or one of Kurt's um, associates that we all suspect he may have. Um, I think get the betting pool open for that one. Um, this really doesn't, to me, feel like Dexter as a whole can be wrapped up in the final two episodes. I'd say this season could certainly be wrapped up, but the series as a whole in two episodes, I'm just not sure. But maybe that's just me not ready to say goodbye. No Edward Olsen again, I believe that's four episodes. Something to think about. I think we'll definitely see his presence either next week or the following week or even both. Logan, for some reason, and it might just be me, creeps me out a little bit. I don't know if anybody else feels the same. He seems to be hitting on Angela, um, but on the other hand, he is acting very friendly to Jim, aka Dexter. I'm not sure, but I still have a question mark over his head. Maybe I'm looking too far into this one. Wanted to give a shout out to Travis's feedback in the last few weeks. Absolutely outstanding and had me giggling. Certainly puts the rest of us to shame. And once again, Gareth just wanted to say, podcast's amazing. Hope you had a really nice, relaxing Christmas with your family. Um, I think I speak for everyone when I say that we really appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast, especially during um, Christmas and New Year when it's a really busy time for everyone, especially um, people with people who have families, etc. So much appreciated. Have a very happy New Year and I want to extend that to the rest of my fellow Dissecting Dexter listeners as well. All the best to everyone and I'm looking forward to see, um, seeing in the final two episodes with you all. I'll see you in another life, brother. Thanks, Chris. Yes, the pursuit through the forest. You never really thought that Dexter would die here. Once they got into that summer camp, there was surely only ever one winner. It was just a question of when Dexter would get him. It was a fun chase, though, and I loved the snowy scenery. Uh, that's an interesting point about Kurt putting on the hunting gear for his kill. With an established serial killer, I doubt anything about their ritualistic M.O. is an accident, so why the mask? It's a nice idea that he does it to cover his face, like he's got two personas. The genial diner owner, that's his regular face, the cuddly friend of the town who likes to help anyone who needs it, and then the other side of him, the killer with the mask. It's funny how we remember Dexter of old talking about wearing a mask, but he did it with the one face. You mentioned the M99 ketamine thing. 
Dexter often referred to his tranquilizer as M99 in the original series. However, I'm sure you know it's not the same thing as ketamine. I'm not sure why we've got this mismatch now. We've got a lot more feedback about this in a bit, so we'll talk more about it. And Olsen, yes, again, he's absent. The last time we saw him was when he and Audrey had that roadside conversation, right? Are we going to find out that he and Kurt go way back? Does Kurt kill the girls to fill his need? And then does he supply the bodies to Olsen to fulfil his need? Given the gravitas that Clancy Brown brings to the proceedings, I'm not sure I'd like the idea of Olsen being a bigger bad. Side by side, the two just don't compare as characters. However, if Olsen has nothing to do with Kurt, why have the character in the first place, beyond simply being a red herring, to have us guessing who the sniper is? But perhaps that's all he was. I mean, when he pulled up behind Audrey on the road, we all probably had the thought, oh, is he going to abduct her? But no. And that was episode three, and then in episode four, they all but confirmed Kurt as the killer. But you know what? I won't mind if they don't even mention Olsen again. I'm good with that. Hunt from Scunthorpe. As I say, not a million miles away from where I am, <laughs> here in England. He writes to say, best episode of the series. Could see the ending happening, but didn't make it any less brilliant. Only bad thing about it was that we now know there's only two episodes left, and the way it's building, it doesn't look great for Dexter. Not sure your thoughts on Angela, but to begin with, I really enjoyed her scenes, as the impression that was given of her was she was a good cop who worked hard and didn't cut corners. However, recently, some of her actions have been questionable, to say the least. In episode 8, she clearly witnessed a drug deal. The same drug dealer who was selling laced or dirty pills who nearly caused a death. Maybe it's just because she's getting closer to the true Dexter, but she definitely isn't the same character as the first few episodes of the series. I was also hoping we'd see more from Dexter and Harrison's conversation in the car. Maybe it's for the next episode, but really would enjoy to see that. Thanks, Grant. I'm sure we'll get some good, meaningful conversation next week between father and son. As for Angela, I've not thought less of her for what she did this week. Yes, she witnessed the drug deal, that's true, but she was so focused on her investigation into Dexter, she was hell-bent on getting a quick result from talking to Miles, and the easiest way to do that was to let the drug purchase go. Let's give her a pass. Merry Christmas, Gareth. It is I, Des, and oh my goodness, this episode, this episode, this episode had me on edge. Oh my God. Okay, we all saw the episode, right? Because, oh, finally, 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 I got the hug that I so desperately needed. That's right, I needed the hug. Not Dex, not Harrison, me. <laughs> but seriously, oh my God, when he finally ran to him and they ran to each other and they hugged. Oh, I, I think, did I scream? I don't know. But I definitely was like clenching my fists and kicking my feet. Just, ah, ah. Yo, I was so tense this whole episode, especially because Kurt kept dropping those hints and you just knew. Like, we speculated, we speculated for weeks. Is he going to try it? Is he not? What's the deal? But, I mean, he gave that line when they broke into the school about security cameras just being for white deer. 
And I was like, oh, man, he's going to do it. And then that look he gave when he changed the settings on the baseball pitching machine. Oh, my God. So sinister. And I mean, the thing is, we know Kurt is sinister, but to watch it play out, to watch it happen, to know what he is and what he's doing and that he's just playing with his food. Oh, that was a lot, especially because Harrison. Oh, I know there's a mixed consensus on Harrison. Half of Dexter fans think he's a murderer who killed Hannah and is going to kill his dad. The other half of Dexter fans are like, he's just a mixed up boy. And I do think I fall in the latter. He's just a, a son trying to connect with his father who's all messed up inside and knows too many things to ever like find a way to fit in, even when he does find a way to fit in, you know? Ugh. Ah, anyway, I'm gushing. Let me get back to it. My God. There was a moment after Kurt turned on Harrison and chased him out after getting him liquored up with the whiskey where I was in a fit. I was like, if they kill Harrison before he and Dexter have their bonding moment, I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to lose it. And when Dexter came through with the car, oh my God, (sighs) the relief. Was I screaming Dexter in my room? Maybe. Don't worry about it. I was. I was. (laughs) Dexter! (laughs) Hit him with your car! Side note, I do not condone purposefully hitting people with your car, but, you know, extenuating circumstances and all of that jazz. Extenuating? Extenuating? Ugh, I confess, it's one in the morning. My vocabulary is slipping on me right now. (laughs) Either way, this episode finally gave us what we wanted, and by we, I mean... I mean, come on. We got not one hug, but two, and he's going to tell him things. This is the first time that I don't mind waiting for the next episode. I just need to savor this, you know, because we know all hell is about to break loose. There's two episodes left. There's nowhere to go but downhill from here, and Angela is is sniffing him out and there's so many speculations with where this can go but right now we can breathe easy dex and harrison are finally gonna bond and i am here for it and i know you guys are too that's all from me merry christmas everyone happy new year and uh you know feliz navidad happy boxing day we're officially in the 12 days of christmas so i'm just gonna savor this i'm just gonna enjoy it Day by day, nibble away at it like a little fish or a human. Mm, Yep, I'm going to end it like that. Des out! Oh, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) You've been holding out for this hug and it finally happened. You can breathe. Just breathe now. (laughs) Enjoy it. The ending could be rubbish, but you'll be happy because you got the hug. (laughs) Clancy Brown. He was MVP this week, wasn't he? Just by a nose, as Jack Alcott was amazing too. The look you mentioned when he changed the setting on the pitching machine. Very cold and sinister. As for Dexter and Harrison, I'm really not sure whether Dexter should tell Harrison about killing people. We know Harrison has violence in him, but killing is a whole other level, and we don't know if he's that far gone. However, in conversation, will Harrison let slip that he killed Hannah? 
That theory got banded about a lot earlier in the season and may still come true. And what's this? You recording at one in the morning? <laughs> I guess if you just watched this episode, you'd be forgiven for not being able to settle. <laughs> I'm glad I watched it at 10 in the morning on a Monday. I don't think I could have slept after that. Thanks again. Someone reached out to me with a slightly different perspective on Kurt's origin. They said this. In thinking about Kurt killing Iris, I had a new thought. It seems like most people are focused on his issues with his dad. I think his issues actually stem more from his mum and his feelings of rejection and abandonment because she left him as a child with this horrid dad. When they show the scene where Iris was killed, Kurt seems to be legitimately trying to help her. He doesn't seem to have plans to hurt her. He says it's not safe and he's going to take her back home. She rejects his help and I think the image of her running away triggered his deep abandonment issues. Watching someone running away from him rejecting his help and essentially rejecting him in the process might have dug up old wounds. I once had someone tell me about fully breaking down and crying when their boyfriend merely drove away from her house. They weren't even fighting, it just triggered feelings from her childhood that had nothing to do with the current day event. I think that's what's going on with Kurt. His deep hatred of women may have more to do with his feelings towards his mum than how he saw his dad treating women. He doesn't beat women like his dad. He punishes them for running away instead. Well, thanks for sharing these thoughts. Last week, I suggested that Kurt's issues were multi-layered, stemming from both the mother and the father. But you suggest that actually they stem more from the mother, primarily from the mother and far less from the father, Although I'm sure we can agree they would also count, they would both count as childhood trauma and not help him mentally. But what happened with the mother more specifically informs what Kurt now does with his victims. I really like that thought. It makes a lot of sense. Yes, what his father did will have only had negative impact. But the ritual of shooting a runaway female seems to tie very closely with his mother's abandonment of him. So in the flashback with Iris, what we saw happen was a trigger for Kurt. Perhaps for the first time, the first time that had happened to him. And quite possibly took him by surprise. Maybe afterwards he found it felt good. Made him feel a bit better about those dark feelings he'd been harbouring. It really is fascinating stuff. Thanks again so much for getting in touch with this. I love all this, <laughs> this analysis of, of mental health and, and looking back at what may have given rise to problems people experience later on. Fascinating. Meanwhile, on Facebook, Christina Bailey says, the last few minutes of the episode were amazing. That hug between Dexter and Harrison in the field and then Harrison hugging him in the truck. I was in tears. However, I'm annoyed by the ketamine thing because Dexter used M99 back in the day. Why did Angela's Google search bring up the Bay Harbour Butcher with ketamine? I'm hoping they explain that during the next episode. I'm trying to trust the show. Stephen Michael says, I felt like Kevin in Home Alone when the neighbour scared the shit out of him with the shovel and then he went running upstairs to cover himself under the duvet. Once Kurt came out, of his hunting, came out with his hunting ritual gear. My gut felt like Harrison's ribs. <laughs> Luke in Essex, his email to say, what an episode this week. 
by far the most action-packed episode of New Blood. It really kept me gripped throughout. It felt like a thriller or a horror movie at times, although I never felt they were overdoing it on that front. There seemed to be a lot of nods to earlier seasons in this one. Harrison hitting one of the Moose Creek guys with a frying pan reminded me of Dexter hitting Paul in season one. Dexter forcing Elric Kane to crash the truck was similar to how Dexter crashed his 4x4 when held at gunpoint by the Tooth Fairy. Dexter getting shot in the leg and struggling to safety was much like Dexter and Dokes battling it out in the Everglades in season two. Dexter shot with a pistol on that occasion. Kane hunting Dexter through the maze of trees and forestry, reminiscent of Dexter and Speltzer's showdown, albeit in a different environment. Even the way Dexter disappeared before jumping through the mirror was similar to how he surprised Speltzer back in season seven. I love this moment, by the way, a classic Dexter ambush. I wonder if he'll go back, if he'll go back for the body, though. Angela investigating the needle marks left by Dexter reminded me of Masuka spotting the same thing on the body of Jorge Castillo's wife back in season one. To me, these little touches made the episode really nostalgic. It may be coincidental, but I enjoyed spotting them nonetheless. I also spotted a couple of nods to movies throughout the episode, mainly how similar Elric's mouth was to the Joker's in The Dark Knight Rises. I thought the way Dexter used the cable tie as a weapon was genius, as was the way he used the titanium screw from Matt's leg to break free. I thought it was interesting how we saw Kurt in his surgical suit so early in the episode, before he had picked Harrison up. Was he preparing the room in anticipation of killing Harrison? If so, is there more to Kurt's ritual than we have been led to believe? On Kurt, I thought Clancy Brown was excellent again this episode. It was, it was impossible to know what Kurt was really thinking or planning for Harrison throughout. The way he seduced and groomed Harrison was pretty disturbing. Here's a clearly troubled kid and Kurt was toying with him, making every effort to fabricate a genuine connection, knowing all along what he was going to do. The baseball scene in particular was hard to watch, although brilliantly edited. The flashbacks here worked much better than last week, I felt. You really feel for Harrison here. The way he punishes himself is pretty upsetting. It seemed too much, even for a lunatic like Kurt to witness. I thought it interesting that we are seeing less and less of Deb. I do wonder if this deliberately coincides with Angela becoming more and more like her, at least in the sense that she is a bit of a super cop. Angela is getting closer and closer to putting two and two together, and it's beginning to make me nervous. Sadly, I think it's time for her to go. Mind you, that doesn't solve the problem of Molly. I'm sure I won't be the only one to comment on the emotional roller coaster of this episode either. Seeing Harrison and Dexter connect the way they did was genuinely heartwarming, although at the time it makes me anxious. As is the case with Dexter, tragedy inevitably follows joy, and usually pretty quickly. I can only hope it isn't directly involving Dexter or Harrison. I've been thinking a lot about the, breaking en about the internet-breaking ending Clyde Phillips have spoken of, and I wonder, or rather hope, that the final scene is something along the lines of Dexter passing Harrison the knife and guiding him through his first kill. The victim, Kurt, Angela, Molly, all bets are on from the t for the time being. Thanks, Luke. Some good thoughts there and some good catches on, on references from earlier seasons, exhibiting um, uh, some, <laughs> some Travis-like encyclopedic knowledge of, of classic Dexter. I wondered if Kurt was showing some genuine empathy for Harrison 
Maybe he did actually like him, but his need for revenge on Dexter was just too great, and he channeled that to help him focus. Or is he such a sociopath that he was quite comfortable in compartmentalizing and grooming Harrison without any remorse? Stepping on him was just a means of getting his revenge. Collateral damage. Very chilling, though. I'm glad you picked up on the reduced amount of Deb. I've noticed over the last couple of episodes that we're seeing less and less of her. Is that in parallel with Dexter's own journey moving forward? Particularly now, if he's finally connecting with Harrison, will we see her again? Depends on what happens, I think. Tying in with your theory for the ending, if Dexter encourages Harrison to kill, and perhaps ultimately following the same code, I can imagine Deb showing up at the kill table. Yes, Dexter and Harrison could be themselves, father and son, in private with each other, but they'd both have to continue with wearing a mask with everyone else. It's not an ideal long-term solution, is it? Would Dexter really wish that on his son? Prevention is better than cure. Perhaps Dexter can help Harrison where Harry could not. We shall see. And your point about tragedy following joy. Yes, if there's anything we've learned from the original series, Dexter can't hold on to happiness, can he? It's like karma from all those bad deeds will always come back to bite him. Hey Gareth, Nick here. Let's talk about episode 8, Unfair Game, originally called Big Game until they changed it. Um, I really like this episode. Despite being disappointingly short, there are a lot of great moments and some terrific camera work to chew on. Uh, I want to start by saying this episode went a long way towards selling me on the idea of a spinoff. In fact, if we want to talk about just highlighting the sheer brilliance of execution, my highlight of the episode would have to be the dream sequence at the beginning. Uh, the way the music from Elric's truck plays over Harrison just cutting down these jocks was so fun in that classic, twisted, fucked up Dexter way. Um, I especially love the gentle nod to Dexter hitting Paul with the frying pan back in season two. It was a nice touch. Uh, the scene is incredible, and it was carried almost entirely by Jack Alcott and the brilliant work done by the editors. It was evidence enough that I think I could really find myself investing in this character if the story continues beyond Dexter's uh, seemingly inevitable demise that we're quickly approaching. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, so we'll see. But either way, point is, I think I might be on board now. Um, the real highlight, of course, is the car ride at the end, or, or more specifically, I guess that, that whole ending sequence was great, but... The moment in the car was beautiful, um, and it made me realize how invested I am in these two characters actually connecting. As angsty and annoying as teenage Harrison can be, um, I've never felt that it was anything other than genuine. I mean, a lot of teenagers are that way. It's, it seems perfectly uh, realistic and reasonable that he would be this way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was I was into it. And seeing these two finally have a moment of connection after so such a long time struggling... Um, such a long time coming. I, I think it's all we, as we as the audience, wanted for them. Um, it's also a highlight because I think a lot of us expected us to get here at some point, and I think a lot of us, myself included, felt that if we got here to this point, it would feel predictable or perhaps disappointing. But despite giving into that predictability, despite going in a direction that I think a lot of us were expecting, it still landed it. It still nailed the scene because of its execution, and I think that's a testament to the quality of, of the show of this season. Um, and maybe we all predicted this because we kind of wanted it. So, you know, it was great. Uh, the moment that Dexter finally starts telling him everything and Harrison jumps across the car and hugs him was just so good. I suspect that the dads out there are going to feel this even more deeply than I did, but man, it hit me like a truck. Um, 
And all this to say that predictability isn't always a bad thing, I suppose. Living up to or surpassing those expectations is what's important, and I think this scene nailed it. Um, I did feel a twinge of disappointment uh, from maybe the anticlimactic confrontation at the, with Elric in the summer camp. Um, I really expected the, that kill to land, and instead I didn't really feel much at all. But, you know, Dexter had more important things to worry about, and I think that was obviously way more important than him following through with his ritual here. So it was all right. Um, lastly, I do want to quickly comment on what I'm sure is going to be a new hot point of contention among uh, people. I've already seen it come up a lot on Twitter and whatnot, and that's Angela's search query at the end that kind of, again, pointed her in the direction of the Bay Harper Butcher. Um, I've seen people, a lot of people zero in on it because, one, they claim that it incorrectly references Dexter using ketamine in Miami instead of M99, and two, they find it to be a very large leap in Angela's investigation. And I understand the need to pick it apart, uh, but I just want to point out that because of the way online search algorithms work, finding an article about the Bay Harbor Butcher when using the word ketamine in a search uh, query doesn't really necessarily mean that it's implying that he used ketamine. I mean, there are any number of reasons that that article could have come up. Um, they obviously just shaved off some of that detailed search for the sake of time. And as far as Angela starting to suspect Dexter might be involved, she's following her gut and she's doing her research. Um, and we haven't seen the full picture here yet. So I find it all so far to be perfectly believable at this point. Um, and as long as it gets us to that thrilling conclusion that I think we're all kind of waiting for, I'm not too concerned about a few minor contrivances. Anyways, that's my rant for this week. I'm finished. I think this was another thrilling episode and I can't wait to see how the dyna dynamic between father and son has shifted uh, next week. I think it's going to be wild. So, anyways, that's enough for me, Gareth. Thanks so much again for another episode, and I look forward to hearing everyone's thoughts. Until next week, cheers. Ah, yes. That dream sequence. I didn't mention it in the review. They talk about this a lot on the wrap-up podcast this week, and it sounds like Jack Alcott was thrilled to bits at getting this fight scene, and they had so much fun filming it. It was fun, violent, and brutal. The use of the frying pan was a wonderful touch and a nod to a favourite moment from Classic Dexter. Who can forget that sound, that pinging off Paul's head? <laughs> I love the way that you talk about the final sequence, culminating in the hug and the long overdue connection between father and son. It was perhaps inevitable at some stage, but it felt earned and organic in the moment. Harrison really did fling his arms around his dad and held tight. As a father, this resonated with me a lot. Being there to help your son in his hour of need. Not that I've had to rescue either of my boys from a serial killer, but I identified with the emotion of the moment. You bring up a doubt about the criticism of Angela's search query and the article she found about the butcher. Yes, you're right, simply searching Miami homicide might be enough to get a hit on a website about it. However, freeze-framing and reading the text of the results, both articles that are shown include specific mention of the butcher injecting his victims with ketamine. It does look to be an inconsistency, but we've got more feedback on this coming up. Thanks, Nick. Mike Lanich from Pennsylvania has emailed to say, So, I have to say that this episode delighted me for the most part. On the good side, there were plenty of great moments between Kurt and Harrison that revealed so much about their interactions since the moment Kurt stopped by Dexter's cabin with the drone gift. Harrison is looking to Kurt as a father figure, 
while Kurt is wearing his mask to make him feel as though he's actually cared for. I have to say that the more we get from Kurt and peel away the layers, the better and more frightening a villain he becomes. A real high point of the season for me so far. Watching Angela begin to piece together Dexter's recent actions, along with supposed ones, is well handled, but with some caveats which I'll get to shortly. Of course, being in New York, she wasn't privy to some of the stuff that had happened while away. You can see the wheels beginning to really turn, and it shows that she does have some Deb-like talent at using her instinct to figure things out. She actually does some investigative work that makes me feel like she's good at her job, and it's nice to see. So, let's get to the stuff I didn't like or felt was wrong. First off is the fact that Dexter didn't knock out his victims with ketamine in Miami, which the article said the Bay Harbor Butcher used. used. He used a torphine, also called M99, so this appears to be wrong in the show. Second is that Dexter apparently can go right through windshields and suffer no injuries. I'm all for suspension of disbelief, but this is taking things to a new level. My biggest gripe, though, is that while I appreciated the Kurt and Harrison stuff, Dexter taking the whole episode to get to Harrison felt like a bit of wheel spinning. We knew Dexter wouldn't be taken down by Kurt's lackey, so there wasn't really much suspense there. It felt like the episode needed Dexter to take the long route getting to his son. Overall, another good episode, but one with a few warts. Thanks, Mike. Thanks very much. I'm glad you enjoyed this, but a few warts. <laughs> I love the notion of a TV show having warts. <laughs> but I think the fanboy in me is, is having so much fun that I can suspend my disbelief about the car window. His head came up bleeding, but like I said in the review, anyone actually going through that thick glass you get in cars often comes off a lot worse. As for Dexter, yes, he took most of the episode to get to Harrison, but I think the writers wanted him to go through that ordeal, not making it easy for him, having, having him wounded uh, to show real grit and determination to get to his son. And, of course, at the same time, we had all that good stuff between Kurt and Harrison, as they needed time uh, for, his, for Kurt's plan to play out, grooming Harrison more. We never thought Dexter would get killed, and it was never in doubt that whether, whether he'd prevail over Elric. But I enjoyed the chase. The discrepancy over the ketamine is perhaps a bigger issue, as the M99 was such a fundamental part of Dexter's MO throughout. I can't believe the writers will get something like this wrong on purpose. The word ketamine is mentioned or shown multiple times this week. Travis has a few things to say about this too, so let's hear from him and we'll talk more about it. Hey Gareth, it's been a while since I've recorded as myself. This is Travis. Thank you for indulging me in my wacky feedback that I've been sending. Um, they're fun to do, and I hope people aren't totally annoyed by them. Uh, I, I can't send anything like that. I've been busy since the episode aired, but I wanted to say some things. Uh, and I didn't know what I could say that other people weren't going to say, right? Um, I talk a lot of shit on Harrison, but even the, the Harrison stuff in this episode was pretty good. Him and Dexter hugging was pretty good. Um, uh, Kurt's heel turn was pretty, was even a little surprising, right? Cause we knew Kurt was sinister. I didn't expect that he would do that with, um, 
with Harrison. You know, we, we thought he was grooming Harrison to kind of be his number two or to do, you know, to steal him from Dexter, but to do what he did, interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, I I wasn't crazy about a lot of, you know, I hate to say it, like this episode was a lot of filler, like Dexter running through the woods. This dude, the Joker-looking dude, chasing him like eh, I was, you know, we knew he wasn't gonna caught. It was like schmuck bait. What Clyde Phillips, the real Clyde Phillips, would call schmuck bait, um, where he, we knew he wasn't gonna caught. There was no tension. Is Dexter gonna get shot? Oh no! It was a waste. Like okay, yeah, I don't know. We you know we just wanted to get to the end. Um, some things I I I take notes when I watch these and. I didn't take a whole lot of notes this last time. Um, most of everything I took was at the end. Uh, when Harrison says that the scotch tasted like Band-Aids, that was surely, surely a reference to the pilot episode of Breaking Bad. When they're eating veggie bacon, Walt Jr. says the veggie bacon smells like Band-Aids. Now, you don't just accuse me of being a Breaking Bad head. Like, not everything's Breaking Bad, Travis. No, it, it, it's such a specific reference and because it was the pilot episode of breaking bad it's like every everyone saw the pilot episode um angela has become a fucking google meister um solving the whole case fbi if only the fbi had google but you know what if you look back at the original dexter series they couldn't catch dexter because you remember they were all using the elliot search engine do you remember that one gareth elliot the search engine uh, they didn't want to, Showtime didn't want to license Google, so they used Elliot. But now they got Google, and that's why she, Angela's getting the superior results. Um, it's probably, probably been mentioned, and um, this is probably the last thing I got to say. The whole ketamine uh, debacle, yeah, I, I, at the risk of repeating what yourself or another feedbacker has said, yeah, the, I'm disappointed right now. Maybe there'll be some flip of the script. Uh, Everyone knows Dexter used M99. It's got some fancier intro filing or something, right? That was a big deal. Um, in season one, season one of Dexter, Masuka ran a talk screen on uh, Valerie Castillo's body that the ice truck killer dredged up. The talk screen, we saw a nice close-up of the entire talk screen. No ketamine. It was M99. Um, that, but that was in season one. That kill was never even connected to the Bay Harbor Butcher realistically in, in 13 pairs of quotation marks realistically you think it would be when just months later the bay harbor butcher comes gets discovered and with like similar like this the cut on the cheek and shit anyway um yeah uh it's and the thing that what's, what's disappointing is as far as the world of the show that they've let us in on goes and we saw the whole bhb investigation from the inside no one ever found out that Dexter sedated his victims. Now, somehow they figured out he used saran wrap. I was always, I've always been dubious of them discovering that. But Lundy in season two was like, yeah, we, we could see comp- depressions on the skin. So we know they knew he used saran wrap, but they never did. They never announced to us or to anybody that they found out that they were being tranquilized. In fact, Dexter broke the AC in episode four of season two. Remember, he breaks the AC and gooifies all the bodies before they could do any sort of, like, DNA results and shit. So, as far as we've been led to believe, no one had any reason to believe he tranquilized any of his people. Not least of which with, of, with ketamine. So, it's a little disappointing that we're getting this retcon of, 
oh, yeah, Dexter always used ketamine. Or you're like, ah, we'll see about that. I've heard somebody claim that M99, um, in in real practical world, M99 is usually mixed with ketamine. I don't know if that's true. That's what I've heard. So maybe there's that. I don't know. Point is, it wasn't on that goddamn talk screen. Anyway, Gareth, keep it up. Thanks, Travis. It sounds like you and Mike agree on quite a bit, which is nice. Group hug. (laughs) The M99, we'll get to that. But the notion that some of this episode was filler or wheel spinning, as you'll have gathered, I feel differently about it. Although the outcome of the chase wasn't ever really in doubt, I think it was a writing choice to put Dexter through a a gruelling experience like he was metaphorically crawling on his knees to get to his son. He knew he needed to get to him, but this guy was in his way and Dexter couldn't just turn around and take him out as Elric had the gun. So he needed to make a break for it and like he said tried to double back to the car, but of course he realised that he couldn't outrun Elric, so he had to to outsmart him. Like we said, we didn't expect Dexter to die here, but it did serve a purpose of putting him through the ringer, showing how focused and determined he is to save his son. Remember in the past how we've accused Dexter of behaving selfishly on many occasions. This time he's putting Harrison first, and although... That could end up being his ultimate downfall in episode 10. What parent wouldn't put their child's well-being ahead of their own? I like this, and not just for character reasons, but I don't begrudge the showmakers indulging a little and giving us a fun action sequence. Yes, we were keen to get to the confrontation in the cabin, or at the cabin, but having this first, I don't know. It just made us all the more ready for it, for when it did happen. (laughs) You, sir, have an excellent memory for some of the minutiae of the show. (laughs) Probably from all those annual rewatches that you did. But you had some useful information on this whole M99 ketamine controversy. If it is a genuine writing mistake, then it's disappointing. But I have to believe that they wouldn't do such a thing by accident, since it was such a fundamental component of Dexter's MO. M99 and ketamine, as we've said, are two different drugs. M99, from what I read, is only used in veterinary medicine and is a completely different drug to ketamine. Dexter did sabotage the aircon in the tent where Lundy kept the victims, like you said, and made them putrefy before they could run any tox screens. This was a major plot point at the time. One article I read about this uh, this morning, uh, Screen Rant, the writer suggests that the error could be due to a mistake in the Miami Metro police records. But the writer also claims that M99 and ketamine can sometimes be confused by coroners in autopsies. So the report could wrongly identify ketamine when in fact it was M99. I can't speak to the validity of this, but if it is something like this, I hope it gets addressed. Would they really retcon something as important as this? Could this be another irony that a coroner's mistake helps Angela make the connection she's looking for?
I suspect this debate will go on all week. <laughs> As a fan, I'd love to let it slide. I'm really enjoying this series and I, I don't want there to be any big plot holes. That probably makes me a shell. <laughs> but as a podcaster, I should ensure the integrity of the dissecting that we're doing, and you would expect nothing less from me. I just hope this gets cleared up. Perhaps one of the writers will address it. Thanks, everybody, for sending in the feedback this week. It's been a week with an episode that might not have blown up the internet. They're saving that for the finale. But this certainly seems to have many, many fans very happy. The buzz is that many are ranking it as up there with the very best ever episodes of Dexter. And right now, I loved it. I loved it. I, I had fun this week. For the roller coaster of emotion and adrenaline, this one packed a beautiful punch for me. I guess, well, I, I, I had a great time this week. This season has really been building up steam. The start was slow, setting the scene, but come episode five or six and things really picked up. Trust the show. There are inevitably some little things here and there. We've talked about those. But overall, this is a great ride and with only two episodes to go, I'm really not ready for it to end yet. Where this is going to rank among all the other seasons of Dexter, we can't say just yet, but it's it's looking promising, isn't it? So, there we are. Thank you for listening. That's another episode in the can. <laughs> I hope everybody has an enjoyable weekend with the New Year festivities. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support, your feedback, and all the good things and kind things that you're, you're saying about the podcast. It means so much to me, as, as I keep saying, but I mean it. We'll be together again in a few days' time next week, and we'll be dissecting some more Dexter. Until then, thanks again. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. <laughs>